Welcome, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations about all things, including the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Hula Ramos, and today we're going to get into what my daughter says up in the fields as we have Hannah Hoya joining our show today. Let me tell you a little bit about Hannah. She was born and raised here in sunny San Diego. She made a promise to tell the world about her father's life story. In 2018, her dad's life was cut short from a chronic and progressive condition where the body essentially attacks itself, causing permanent nerve damage over time. She decided to share her story in a book titled Never Goodbye. This book is to help inspire those around her and help them cope with pain, loss, and heartache. In helping people understand that behind sorrow lies purpose and finding hope in hopeless moments. Her mission is to keep her dad's legacy alive with this book. She plans to do just that. Help me welcome Hannah Hoya to Asian Voices Radio Podcast. Hi, Hannah. How are you doing today? Hi. Good. Thanks for having me on your show. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. And like I said, we're going to get a little deep because I myself (laughs) am a hashtag girl dad. I have two little girls. So uh, if I do tear up a little bit, it's going to be all good, right? It's going to be good. Totally. It's the best. Let's start from the beginning. You grew Mm -hmm. right up here in San Diego, and your earliest memories of your dad was the fact that he was wheelchair-bound, correct? Yeah, exactly. So I was born into a dad who was paralyzed my entire life. So the only normal vision I ever had of a dad was a man in a wheelchair. So to me, that was normal. So it's quite different than a normal, typical, average girl-dad relationship. So yeah, quite different. And- Can you share with us, um, for those that don't know, about the disease that your dad struggled with? Yeah, so he was diagnosed with an illness called GBS and CIDP. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not a rare illness, but it's quite common for people to be reversed when they're diagnosed with with that disease. But for my dad, it was unfortunate that he, I think it was just so far back to where he wasn't able, the technology back then and the way it is now, it's so much more different. So unfortunately, it was just, it caused him to be quadriplegic neck down. So I have a question because I know your dad uh, was was Filipino and your mother is Korean, correct? Yes. And he's a little hint of Spanish too. Yeah. When people see my last name, they're just like, wait, are you Hispanic? I'm like, yeah. But I like, if you see me, I just don't look like it at all. (laughs) So I just kind (laughs) of, I like, don't even say it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, definitely a little hint of Spanish. Well, yeah, it's just like uh, La Jolla here in San Diego. A lot of people say La Jolla, so I'm pretty sure a lot of people say Hannah Joya, probably. Exactly, yeah. People are like, Hannah Joya? Hannah Jehoya? I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's me. That's me. (laughs) So with that being said, you know, growing up in a mixed culture, do you think, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as your family, was there ever a moment you felt that being an Asian culture – you know, we tend to hide things. We tend to mask things, especially for going through some sort of disease or some sort of uh, disability. Did your parents or did your dad grow up hiding this? You know, being an Asian, I think for a lot of times our culture is just to be very resilient, to keep just pushing mm-hmm. forward, to kind mm-hmm. of not take a moment to, you know, have self-pity. I think we're very strong and we're very courageous. So I think a lot of times for my mom and my father, they kind of just kept going. They, they weren't really hiding anything. They quite did the opposite. They kind of more broadcasted the strength that our faith really, really intertwined with the situation that we were in. 
So they were kind of really just nonstop going at going at the appointments, going at the going at the doctor meetings, traveling the world to find the best physician. And it was it was really pretty quite inspirational to see how um, they just kept going. They just never stopped. And yeah. That's awesome. No, I love mm-hmm. seeing that. I love hearing that story. So with that being said, tell us about your relationship with your dad. Yeah, we had such an amazing relationship. He was like my partner in crime. We, <laughs> even though the situation was so different and so unique, it was just so special. And like, he was everything I could have ever asked for in a dad. And I know physically he was just not your normal father. But to me, I would always call him my Iron Man because he was always like my superhero. Yeah. And like, I think maybe the wheels kind of made me think he was like flying through the streets or something, (laughs) but no, he was just such an amazing dad. And I was so blessed to have a father for as long as I did for 27 years. He taught me so much more than I could have ever learned. Like what, for example, what did he, what did he teach you? So, I mean, he really taught me, I would say the biggest thing is just hope because Mm -hmm. to see, I mean, I think growing up now that I can reflect back, I mean, it's been two and a half going on three years that he hasn't been here. So I kind of can look back and just be like, I just don't understand like how he did it. Like, I don't understand how someone who was so sick for so long didn't like go into a psych ward for depression. Like how can a man who had nothing and yet he was still such an amazing father. So I would say the biggest thing that my dad taught me was just how to have hope. I mean, no matter what the situation he's in, no matter what we're going through to just have that hope that there's so much more purpose behind everything that, that you're in and the situation and the hard times. Oh my gosh. I, it gives me chills when you say that, because I feel like, you know, the superhero Iron Man also talks about, you know, he talks about hope and everything. And so maybe that, you know, it was based on your dad. I don't know. It just, right. Just feels like, you know, and, and I understand that your dad was a doctor, correct? He was, yes. He actually passed the board exam and he practiced at some of the top hospitals around the world. And it was so unfortunate. It was during that early years of him practicing medicine is when his, his illness started kicking in. And he mm-hmm. just had such a passion for medicine. He loved, loved helping people, which is weird because like now that he, I mean, for like, he was so sick. So it was always doctors working on him, but he still, even when he was at the hospital or nursing homes, when he was in his lowest and weakest moments, he was still wanting to volunteer at local hospitals like Scripps Health. He wanted to volunteer at the sleep apnea center and he didn't even care about getting paid. He, he even asked one of the the directors not to get paid. He wanted to just do it out of his his passion. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's, that's different. Like, you don't, that's, it's really just loving what he did. No, absolutely. And, and I feel like with his condition, so while he was volunteering and doing all of that stuff, was Mm -hmm. he, was that when the condition kind of hit or like, was he in a wheelchair by that point? Yeah. So he was already in the wheelchair by that point. Um, so it was, it was rough for him in the beginning because he passed the board exam. He was already working at several different hospitals, but then he started to deteriorate his illness. And I mean, the situation he was in, a lot of doctors and hospitals didn't want to have someone who was sick because he wasn't even Mm -hmm. able to write. So yeah, he got a lot of rejections, um, when he was applying to work at different locations. 
So yeah, it was a very, very dark time. And I wasn't born, I wasn't born yet. So it was quite, quite depressing for my father to, to go through that. Right. No. And I, I would assume that your mom was there to, you know, be his, his quote unquote backbone and to support. I'm, I know, you know, the story is about you and your dad and your relationship, but how mm. did your mom, you know, deal with all of this stuff? I know. Gosh, that woman is something different. She is right. just like an angel because I mean, there were so many times where people were like, why don't you just leave him? It's so early on in your marriage. Like, why wow. don't you just, why don't you just go be happy? Go find someone to take care of you instead of you take care of him. And I think my mom was just kind of like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Because she made, a, <laughs> she made a vow on her wedding day till death do us apart. And she was there till the very end. I mean, like I lived like literally till the very end. And wow. there was nothing anyone could have said to change her mind. And she was the definition of a sacrificial love towards her husband. And there was, it was just, yeah, it's, it was just quite, quite inspiring to see a woman dedicate more than 30, 27 years to taking care of a man. I mean, every, every single thing taken care of, like, I mean, like brushing his hair, feeding him, bathing him, like every single thing that we take for granted, the most simplest of things, my mom was her, was his body. Like she had to physically do everything. And yeah, there were times that were very hard for her, but I mean, I think she just had the faith and she just had the vow to, to keep going and she stuck to it. Wow, that yeah, that's the definition of unconditional love. That's exactly. for sure. Y your mom is Iron Woman. I mean, come oh my on, God. <laughs> Wonder Woman, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. She is. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's amazing. True. Yeah, incredible. So, with that being said, you know, uh, your 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 dad did pass in 2018, mm -hmm. and so tell us about that moment you know, afterwards. How did that transition into you writing this book, Never Goodbye? Yes. Yeah, so writing has always been such a, such an amazing outlet for me to kind of really express my feelings and emotions. I actually have a page in my book, Never Goodbye, of a journal entry that I wrote when I was eight years old. And it was just wow. like me writing like little stick figures of my dad laying down at the hospital. Like, I think I didn't know how to process it. I think I knew at a young age how different it was because, you know, I see my classmates and everyone going to the father-daughter dance. And I think I knew something was different. I just didn't know what it was. So, I mean, I, you only know what you know. So I, right. I started journaling at such a young age and I added that in my book. And, you know, when my dad passed in 2018, I moved back to San Diego a few months after that because living in Los Angeles, it was just so I needed to be with family. You know, when you go through something so hard like that and so traumatic, it's just you can only go so long without being around those who were there for you. So I exactly. came back to San Diego and I mean, I just was, I cried for a year, like every day, like there was just no words, no comfort, nothing that anyone or anything could have done to make me feel like, okay. And right. it was just, it was hard because I felt, you feel like the world is just going on and like, you're just stuck there with just such a hard, hard time. And like, of course, people were there for me in the beginning and people were there to comfort. But when something that hard hits you, it, there, there's just nothing that can comfort you during those times. So I think subconsciously I started doing what I've always done. And I think that was just starting to write. 
So I mm-hmm. just started writing and writing. Like there was no out, there was no template or anything. It was just me being raw and authentic and just like writing everything that I felt. And I think about, it was in 2019. So 2018, my father passed 2019. I just started journaling for my own sake. And then it was like a light switch. It was like my birthday, October 22nd, 2019, a light switch just kind of turned on. And then I like literally was like praying and I was like, you know what? I am going to write a book, dad. And like, I promised my dad. Yeah. I promised him like in his hospital bed, the fall, the last week that he was here and the, in the cover of the book actually is the last image of my dad and I holding hands before he took his final breath. And I, wow. that's when I promised him. I was like, dad, I promise you. Like I, he was in coma then, but I promised him. I was like, dad, I'm going to write a, I'm going to write a book about you. I'm going to tell people about you. And I didn't know what that meant. I honestly, I had no idea what that meant, but 2019, my birthday, a light switch. And that promise just came back and it hit me. And like, ever since then I dedicated four hours every day to researching how to write a book, where to get started. And I just knew that there was going to come a time where someone who's also grieving or losing hope in life to that. They're going to, they're going to come across this book. And my hope was to just use that, that raw, authentic pages of my, of my grief to help inspire them. And here we are today. <laughs> wow. I, I, I love that story. I, I, it just, it gives me goosebumps just hearing about that because yeah, when you're going through something, you turned mm-hmm. your, you know, tragedy into a way to help other people who are dealing or maybe dealing with something that you actually went through. I, I noticed that in your book, Never Goodbye, it's based on eight principles. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I just really wanted to just make it such an easy read. I know for me, when I was going through what I was going through then, I would read books and I would get so discouraged where I read some of the pages. I was like, what does this word mean? Like I would have to go to Google and like type it in. So I really just wanted to create a little easy read, less than like less than 200 pages, less than 300 pages to just really create principles that are so simple and so easy to read so that when people are going those through those seasons, they can read it and they can say, wow, like I get it. So my favorite principle out of those eight ones, um, is finding joy in the unknown. And that one is my favorite because I feel like my whole entire life was so unknown. So Mm -hmm. it was really just trying to be intentional about finding the joy throughout our journey. And I think it's so applicable to many people when they read it, because especially now, I mean, 2020 and 2021, like who knows what's going to happen. And I right. think but there's so much unknown and it causes so much anxiety and so much, so much loneliness, you know? And I think that that principle finding joy in the unknown, people can be intentional about living every day in the unknown. They could try to find the purpose behind it all. Um, and they don't need to know the facts. They don't need to know the whys. They can just they can rest assured to know that there will be joy in the end and that they can, that there's so much more purpose and the best is still yet to come. I love that. You know, I, I also am a man of faith and, and I believe that every time I go through some sort of, you know, tragedy, I also, you know, pray and, and think, what can I do to find the joy? Uh, my daughter is, uh, has an intellectual disability and, mm-hmm. you know, when I growing up, but we've never really had to deal with that. Um, and now having to deal with it, 
Mm-hmm. I've always, you know, prayer led me to making decisions that, and, and I've always looked for the joy in life. So I love that you did that. Uh, that's one of your favorite principles. It just, Gosh, it so makes awesome. me happy. Yeah. I love you, that. Yeah. I'll be praying for your daughter too. It's tough. I, I can't uh, imagine last year and this year it must've been such a difficult, difficult yeah. time. No, no, trust me. It was, it's been crazy. Absolutely. But yeah. speaking of joy, congrats <laughs> to you because I just heard you got engaged. I did so many big things happened in such a short time. <laughs> so like now if people are like, congratulations, I'm like, yeah, wait for, uh, for which one? Like the book or the engagement? Yeah. Like I just, it's like two big things that honestly happened in like such a little time, but thank you. So that was, yeah, October 22nd or October 25th last year, 2020. Yeah. Wow. That's it. That's joy and tragedy because we've all in a pandemic and then you got proposed to, can you tell us how you met your fiance? Yes, I can. He was actually my first kiss when I was 14 years old. No. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like 14, like what? Like, so we both went to, uh, Rancho Bernardo high school here in San Diego. And mm-hmm. it was after a football game, like a Friday night football game. And we were 14 years old. I think his hair was like overly gelled with way too much color. <laughs> and I, I had braces. <laughs> I had braces. <laughs> I had braces. I had like, I was just so young, but yeah. So we were 14 years old, first kiss. And it's just crazy how like we didn't talk for like over 12 years. Like he moved to Los Angeles. He had lived his own life. He kind of just like dropped off on the planet of the earth. Like people were just like, where's Austin? Where'd he go? But, um, he went through his own struggles, his own journey, but it's crazy how God brought him back into my life so many years later, because the time that I needed someone like him, someone who was so assuring and so loving, he came four months after my dad passed. And the the connection that we had was just something that I've always desired in a partner. Like I've always just wanted someone to just like see me and accept me. And that's exactly how he was. And it could have been any year that he came back into my life. It could have been like so many years ago, but it was it was such a, it was, it was so meant to be that exact time. And we're like best friends. It's like, we're like, not, I mean, like, he's obviously my fiance, but it's like, I feel like he's like my best friend. Like, he's like, we can do fun things. We can go try different bobas around San Diego. And like, (laughs) just like, seriously, like the guy, he loves ramen. And I'm like, dude, are you Asian? Like he loves ramen. He loves Korean barbecue. He loves like our culture food. So it's as if he just like blended in with our family. Like he's like part of our family and he is just such a gift. And it's crazy though, because a year, the same week that my dad passed the following year in 2019, his dad passed also. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have that, we have that like different connection. We have that, I get it kind of connection because I mean, my friends, our ages, like they don't, they still have their dad. We're so young still. I mean, like it, like it, it was hard to have someone understand what I was going through because they all still have their dads. It's, it's not a common thing in our age, but yeah, he lost his father and yeah, I was there for him when he lost his father, went to the service, the celebration of life restaurant. And yeah, it was just very different, but it's just crazy how God works. Like he brings the right people at the right time. I agree with you 100%. With that being said, though, you you keep mentioning, like, he loves Asian food. Is he not Asian? 
No, <laughs> he's white. Yeah, so I think he's <laughs> German and Irish. Yeah, but he, yeah, he's just Caucasian. Yeah, he's Caucasian for sure. Uh, but okay. he internally, I think he's Korean. I think he has a little Korean <laughs> in him, honestly. Like there he you. loves my grandma, my harmony. She on my mom's uh-huh. side, she is like, she gets mad at me when I look tan or when I, when I wear makeup because she's so old school, like traditional mm-hmm. Korean and. She makes him, I can't, I don't know what the dish is called. It's like fish, like dried fish, but sweet, Medici. I think it's Medici. Medici and kimchi and rice. That's my fiance Austin's favorite meal. It's like the most like <laughs> Asian, most Korean like, dish ever, but he loves it all. He loves lumpia. He loves oh, everything. Yeah. So, and he loves, um, uh, gare gare. Okay, 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 yes. Got it, got it. Oh my gosh, the peanut butter. Yes, Yes. he loves it with that salty. What's that salty um, paste? What is that salty paste? Oh, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. What is it called? The purple one. Yeah, it's like purple. The purple one. Yes, 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 yes. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, but I know exactly what you're talking about. No, he must be, you know, he might be Asian deep down inside. You never know. It's what, I mean, you know, I feel like sometimes people are brought to us at certain times, as you mentioned, and maybe it was one of those things that your father and his father yeah. brought you both back together, you know? I know. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking that for in the beginning, I was like, man, I feel like my dad just kind of brought us together because I don't, I can't imagine doing the holidays or those big milestone birthdays without having someone, you know, cause I was he passed away in June and I already started getting anxiety knowing that the holidays were coming up and father's day was just a week after and all these, all these big time events coming up. I just, I couldn't imagine doing it alone. Like I just, I couldn't imagine it. And like, it's crazy how he was, he, yeah. Like how my dad just kind of really God and my dad just brought him at the right time. Wow. That, yeah, that's, I, I, I almost believe that for sure. 100%. No, can you tell us about the engage, the proposal itself? Like when did it happen? How did it happen? Yes. Yeah, so it was actually taking place in Yosemite, one of the national parks, oh, Yosemite. Yosemite. Yes. And so we all went as a family, but it's so funny because I told Austin, cause we did premarital counseling. So we already were dating for about two years and we were in our late twenties. So we were already like, you know what? we're at this point in life. We got to start thinking maturely. Now we got to start thinking ahead. So I was like, you know what? Like let's do premarital counseling through our church. So we did pre, we actually did premarital twice. Cause we wanted to really make sure that, you know, we really knew the meaning behind marriage and we really wanted to just do it right. Um, and just kind of just be grounded in that in our faith. And he's a, he's a man of faith as well. Um, and he has such a powerful story, but, for my birthday in October, I told him, so once we finished premarital, I told him, I gave him like a list of 10 things. I was like, here are the 10 things I want you to make sure you do in case you want to propose to me. And it was like, so, <laughs> honestly, I'm not kidding you. Like I still have the list. Like a couple of them from what I remember, I was like, make sure I'm spray tanned. My hair is done. My nails are done. Make sure my family's there. Make sure that my makeup is good, that it's not like later in the day. Like all these things. Like I had a list and, but the biggest thing I really wanted to make sure was that my family was there. Like I wanted my family to witness it and I wanted to, him to make sure he has a photographer and a videographer. So I'm like, <laughs> poor guy, I don't know how he's going to do this. But anyway, so we go to Yosemite for my birthday and, um, 
I was friends with the marketing manager. So we had this collaboration where he said to, you know, he'll give me uh, a special rate if we kind of just do like a commercial for their for their resort in Yosemite, for their stay, right? their cabins. Um, and my whole family decided to come. And honestly, I even asked him, I was like, you're not going to propose to me, are you? Like, don't propose to me here. Like, I don't want to get proposed here. Like, but actually it's crazy because we went to Yosemite when my dad passed a few months after and Yosemite has had always had such a special place in my heart. And I even mentioned that in the top 10 must haves for my engagement. Like I wanted to make sure that you somehow like intertwine my dad to it. Like, however that might be like family, but like having him part of it somehow. And Yosemite has always been such a reminder of my dad because the paradise and heaven and just all of it, it's just such a beautiful place. So I told him, I was like, don't propose to me here. If you, are you, you swear you're not going to propose to me here? He's like, no, yeah, I swear. I swear. I'm like, it's going to be next year. Like focus on your book. So I'm like, okay. So I knew that it wasn't going to happen. So then the marketing manager was like, Hey, we're going to do a video shoot, a commercial. Um, so then I was like, okay. But I was like, man, I don't know if this is like legit or not. Like, what if this is like a setup? Like, what is, what if, who is this people? Who are they? My whole right. family's going, I got to make sure this is safe. So Austin, my fiance was like, yeah, give me his number so I can look him up, like make sure everything's fine. Like I don't want it to be unsafe. But what I didn't know was that he was, he got his number and he was actually messaging him like behind my back being like, Hey, you know what? Why don't we turn this into the proposal? Since we already have like the cameras and like the videos and she's already going to get so dressed up for the commercial shoot. Why don't we just, why don't we make it into the proposal? So this whole time I was messaging the manager, the marketing guy, I was planning my own proposal. I had no idea. So like this whole time, like everything. So yeah, it was pretty, I was shocked because I had no idea. And like, once I figured out what happened, I, so my cousin, uh, there was just, there's, I can go on and on about this, but what happened was like, my cousin had like a moment where she was freaking out. Her and her boyfriend pretended to break up. So she wanted to talk to somebody and then she took me out from the house for like 30 minutes venting to me and like asking me, how did you know Austin was the one? Like, I don't know if my boyfriend's the one. I'm like, what is wrong with her? So then we come back to the house and I see Austin standing. I'm like, what are you doing outside? Like, let's go back up. We have to go shoot for this commercial. I was already so annoyed. And then he grabs my hand. We're walking up the stairs. And then once I see like the roses on the staircase and I see all these lights and like the candles, I was like, oh my gosh. I think I blacked out. Yeah, I blacked out. I like, I had no idea. I was like, oh my gosh. It was, yeah. And like, it was such an, it was so perfect. I loved it. It was so perfect. That's awesome. I love that story. And I, I bet I can almost guarantee your dad was there. Yeah, it. I know. And like once Austin went on his knee and proposed, I like looked up in the sky and like, it was like sunset. And like, I felt my dad just like watching in heaven. Like I felt it. And like, I was like, this Mm. is so perfect. You know, my dad wasn't here, but I know he had the best seat in the house and just like he'll have the best seat in the house in the wedding. So yeah, it was just, yeah, it was so perfect. Can I ask you, you know, as we're about to end this podcast pretty soon, um, because we want people to, you know, that are going through this grief, if they are going to go through it, uh, to, to see your book and to, to, to read your book, can you just using one word, describe your father? Hmm. What's a good word to describe him? I would say resilient. I would say resilient because 
you know, this book was just my promise to my dad. And it's just a hope for those who are going through someone who they lost or they're just going through just just like the why. Like, why are things happening? Like, why am I going through this? Why are we as a nation going through this? Why am I, why, why did I have to lose somebody? And I think for 27 years, my dad taught me how to be resilient. He taught me that no matter what life may throw at you, no matter what illness or situation or upbringing you may have had, to just remain resilient. And that is my hope for everyone who's struggling, to know that you don't need to wake up strong. You don't need to be okay. I mean, it's okay not to be okay. You can be real. And that's why I say a lot in the book. In order to heal, you just have to be real because that's what God wants. He wants you to be real and authentic about what you're going through. And resilience comes from that because when you start just taking that step forward every single day, it's just bound to happen. Resilience is going to overflow your your soul. And that's that's my biggest hope. And that's the biggest lesson my father taught me. So that's what I would encourage to all your viewers and to everyone who reads the book that resilience is so possible. And there's so much hope from everything that they're going through. I love that. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel. It's that, exactly. you know, that thing that we're all grasping for. And I love it. I love all the 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 advice you're giving to people you're you're so amazing and and i'm glad you're able to write this book for people where can they find this book or also find you on social media well the book is sold um throughout all the barnes and nobles and amazon and now target and i'm finding out every (laughs) i'm finding out every single day i mean it's pretty honestly online they can get it at any online bookstore any in-person bookstore it's pretty accessible so doesn't have to be in San Diego. It could be throughout throughout the throughout the county and throughout anywhere that they live. It's 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 everywhere, pretty much. Which I'm finding out, which is so crazy. God like works in miracles. He does. He he works in miracles. And and where can we find you or, or follow you? So I am on Instagram. My Instagram is Hannah Marie Hoya and Facebook Hannah Hoya J O Y A, not La Jola, not Joya. It's Hoya. <laughs> so Hannah Hoya <laughs> on Facebook and yeah. That's where they can find me. I, I love it. Congratulations. At such such a young age, being an author and having this amazing book. And I know we'll hear big things from you. And I know that your dad will is is very proud of you and looking oh, after you. you know over you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. Great way to start the weekend. Absolutely. To learn more about today's show, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Also, if you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next week, I'm Hula Ramos. And on behalf of Hannah, we'd like to thank you for listening in. And please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Radio show. Take care until next time, everyone.